3: a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen App. Hope you had a chance to listen to my podcast today. With uh, Ryan Anderson, if not, check it out. I think you're going to really enjoy that. If you were a fan of the New York Jets, well, you got pretty good news today. After surgery on your quarterback, Zach Wilson, it was exactly what they thought. He could be available week one, but I would say probably not. Joe Flacco will probably get to start against the uh, Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, I would think Wilson's going to be back on the field sooner Uh, Rather than later. So again, the surgery went pretty well. Not really well, but you know, let me ask you I've always wondered have you ever, in all your years of following sports, and we'll keep it to just sports, okay? Have you ever heard a team come out and say, so and so had surgery today and the doctors deemed it unsuccessful? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard of a term other than a successful surgery, honestly, I, I'm not exaggerating here. Name me an athlete. Name me anyone in any sport that after they have surgery, there's anything other than successful on the word. It's always successful. I, I can't remember the last time a team put out a statement on an injured player who had just undergone surgery and said that the surgery was unsuccessful today. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, my gosh. But anyway, uh, Wilson should recover very well from this. And I guess it's the bone bruise on the knee, which is the more uh, significant of the issue uh, In because he has to stay off uh, his leg completely. So we'll see. All right. Again, bone bruise, meniscus tear, surgery is in the books. And... We'll see what happens. I mean, the Jets are going to stink anyway. I mean, it really doesn't matter whether Zach Wilson is on the field or not. I spoke to a guy yesterday who is unbelievably well-connected. I mean, like top shelf, well-connected in both the National Football League and the NBA. And he told me that he thinks Salah is going to be fired at the end of this year. And I'm like, come on, no way. After two years? He thinks so. He he told me he thinks Robert Sala is going to be fired at the end of this year. And I'm like, come on. He goes, well, I'm just telling you. And this guy is normally right on with everything that he tells me. And I was just like, why? And he said he made a big mistake in the hiring of his offensive coordinator. I'm like, wow. He goes, yep. And he said, they're they're not going to be very good this year. And then I asked him, I go, who do you think is going to be worse? The Jets or the Giants? And he actually thought the Jets are going to be worse. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I predict that if you take the number of wins that the Jets and the Giants have and combine them, they wouldn't win any division in the National Football League. They might be a wild card, but they wouldn't be a divisional winner if you combined the win totals. The Giants are going to stink. The Jets are going to stink. and He thinks the Jets are going to have a new coach next year. I don't, but he knows a lot more than I do. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, It really doesn't. NBA schedule comes out tomorrow. And I know Kings fans always look at it. Jerry Reynolds always used to tell me, hey, you have 41 at home, 41 on the road. I'm like, yep. And he goes, that's just the way it is. You can break down the schedule any way you want. 41 at home, 41. On the road, but again, the NBA schedule will be released uh, tomorrow. All right, if you want to get in on the program today, you hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will get you right on. College football starting up in just a couple of weeks, which means that Sean Salisbury and I are going to get right back on it on No Filter Network. Uh, Sean and I are going to start doing our shows again beginning tomorrow, and we're going to be on tomorrow at No Filter Network at one o'clock Eastern and ten a.m. Pacific. So that will be tomorrow. We're going to talk both college and uh, the NFL. And then on Friday, on my podcast, I'm going to have a gentleman on from a Las Vegas sports book. And we're going to talk about a lot of the numbers entering week one of the National Football League. So we got a lot to talk about. Again, if you missed my podcast today, check it out. It was an incredible conversation with Ryan Anderson. Uh, we got into some incredible, incredible topics. All right, let's get to some phone calls. And why don't we begin with Eli here on this Tuesday. Hey, Eli, how are you? Hey, Grant. Good. How are you doing?
4: Good, buddy. Hey, thanks for doing that um, podcast with Ryan Anderson. And, uh, you know, I... I called you a few months ago and I asked you about him. And the reason why it was so cool for me to listen to is I heard his name a lot growing up because my mom and his dad actually worked pretty closely together. They worked for the same company. So I used to hear about him a lot growing up and I'm only a few years younger than him. And I remember, you know, that he was in high school and he was this really great basketball player. And we were all talking about, gee, I wonder if he can make it to the NBA one day. And it was, well, you know, there's not a lot of people who make it to the NBA. And of course, you know, he went to college and then we were all very excited on draft night in 2000 eight when he got drafted so it was really cool just you know from when i was young hearing his name and tracking his career throughout those years and now hearing you talk to him now it's it's very cool and obviously he's gone through a lot of difficult stuff in his life and looks like he overcame them and very glad to hear he's doing well so i'm just uh, just wanted to thank you yeah. again for doing that interview with him it was very insightful and, and very awesome for me to listen to
1: Well, I really appreciate you saying that. And I believe uh, it was you that actually suggested that I had had him on my podcast and I'm like, yeah, I will reach out to Ryan. And when I did, he was like, yeah, absolutely. Great. I would love to come on your show. And you heard at the end of the podcast, he says, Hey, I'll do this with you every week. He said, Hey, 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 you got a one-year-old and a three-year-old be careful what you commit to. But uh,
4: (laughs) yeah, have him come on live sometimes so we can, we can chat with him. (laughs) That would be great.
1: I'll tell you this though. When his girlfriend committed suicide, when he was in New Orleans and she was a star on the TV show, the bachelor. And I remember the stories that came out after that of how Monty Williams and his wife, Ingrid were were such a rock for Ryan during that time. And I've had Ryan on the radio show in Sacramento, numerous times talking about that after the uh, episode, I shouldn't call it episode after the incident where Gia took her life and what it did to Ryan. And then when Monty Williams lost his wife in that just tragic automobile accident, I mean, everything just kind of came full circle. I mean, it was Monty being there for Ryan and again was the rock. And then when Monty went through that, I mean, Ryan, I wouldn't say he was there for Monty because he was in the middle of a season, but he was there via phone and, Obviously, was there for the service, was there at Monty Williams' house before and after. So it's just life. You know what I mean? Life. Great life stories, and you can learn a lot from listening to it.
4: Yeah, and it's incredible. He seems so resilient. How he's been able to overcome that and doing so well now. I mean, obviously, there's uh, unfortunately a lot of others who may not have been able to cope so well as he has. So yep. that's definitely inspirational. And I don't doubt that he's he's made quite an impact, like you mentioned in the in the podcast, that impact on other people going through similar tough times. So I mean, yeah, the yeah and, only and other then thing he had was- a,
1: and then he had a very serious neck injury, which was at the time a stall of his career and there were those that thought that he might not ever be able to play basketball again and fortunately he was able to have it surgically right. corrected and he did continue his career I never thought he was the same player after that particular injury and surgery but you know he played 12 years in the yeah. NBA and that that's a nice career if you can play a decade or more in a professional sport that's pretty impressive.
4: Yeah. And I thought he was getting close to that all-star level at that point until those injuries. And if I recall, he was in the three-point contest. So yeah, that guy, yeah, he was great talent. And as you were talking about with his uh, potential regrets, how he wishes, you know, maybe he would have been able to come to Sacramento or done this and that. That would have been really cool for the Kings fans. But
1: It would have been cool. It would have been cool. Um, Two things on that. He won the Most Improved Player Award in 2012. But I will tell you, and I know Ryan Anderson and I know his personality – he would have absolutely despised playing with DeMarcus Cousins. He would have despised being around DeMarcus. it went against everything that Ryan believed in and what he practiced. And that would have been a nightmare for Ryan to come to Sacramento when DeMarcus was on the team. That much I can absolutely guarantee you. So in retrospect, coming to Sacramento at that time would have been the wrong move. I think had he come to Sacramento at a different period of time in his career, yes, it would have been good. But there's no way in the world Ryan would have been able to coexist with DeMarcus Cousins. It would have absolutely killed him. So, uh, you know, I'm glad, in, I'm glad in hindsight that it didn't happen.
4: Oh, yeah. You know what? I never even thought of that. So good point, Grant. You're always, uh, you're always thinking of these things. So, Well, some enough.
1: guys can do it uh, and some guys didn't care. Uh, but there were uh, many others that did. And Ryan would have been one of those that would have cared, that would have had a real problem and it just wouldn't have worked. So Ryan is such a good guy and he's such a quality person. I'm personally happy he didn't have to go through that because I, it would have torn, it would have torn him up. Absolutely. No doubt. in My mind.
4: Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Well, thanks again, Grant, for doing that interview and uh, yeah, keep it up, man.
1: Thank you, Eli. Appreciate it. Yeah. That was one of my favorite podcasts uh, that I released today with Ryan Anderson. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you obviously go to your favorite podcast platform. You can go to if you don't like that dot com.
0: Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. dot com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? they are also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Revoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the
3: world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm
2: gonna make him an
3: offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis, and spins mean everything.
2: Now, you want to get mixed up in the family
3: business. Introducing The Godfather at CiampaCasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of The
2: Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at CiampaCasino.com Welcome to the family.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: And it's uh, right there for you. So check it out. We had a great uh, conversation, Great conversation. And, you know, we ended up talking, I don't know, 20 minutes after we got done recording uh, the interview about a whole bunch of things, and uh, he, I'm really happy for him. I really am. I'm happy for him because he's a, just a quality, quality uh, person. Hey, if you want to get in on the program today, uh, hit your hand icon, uh, and we will do it. You know, one of the teams in the National Football League that we are monitoring the Green Bay Packers, because Devontae Adams is no longer there, all right? He went to the Raiders. And Rodgers, after practice, said this, the young guys, especially young receivers, we've got to be way more consistent. A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route. We've got to get better in that area. So, the, and that wasn't directed at Alan Lazard who now moves up to the number one position. I don't think it was directed at Randall Cobb, okay? But they're going to need help with some of these younger players. And this came after, I think it was following today's practice. They had a practice with the Saints today. And from what I understand, there were many drops from the receivers. And I also saw that there were three interceptions uh, by Jordan Love against San Francisco. And when I say I saw that, I didn't watch the game in which Love threw the three interceptions, but I read all about it. And you know, that I, listen, when you're, when you're a quarterback, okay, I don't care who you are, all right? You can't be having three interceptions in a preseason game, all right? Just can't do it. So it's going to be very interesting to see the impact of no Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers. You can't say it's not going to make a difference. You just can't. I mean, the guy was arguably the best receiver in the National Football League or one of the best receivers in the National Football League. And he's gone now. And how many big third-down plays did Adams make, right? Rodgers and Adams, big play where you have to have it. It seemed like they were always connecting. Week one, you got Buffalo at the Rams. That is the first game of the year on the 8th. And then on 9-11, you've got uh, the early games feature San Francisco at Chicago. So Trey Lance going to go on the road. Week one, the Soldier Field. You've got the Falcons hosting the Saints. Pittsburgh goes to Cincinnati. You have Philadelphia at Detroit. The young quarterbacks go head-to-head in Miami with the Dolphins and the Patriots. You got the Baltimore Ravens traveling to New York to take on the Jets. Jacksonville is at Washington. Cleveland is at Carolina. Houston hosts Indianapolis. Then your late games. Giants are at Tennessee. Packers are at the Vikings. Chiefs travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And your Raiders, if you are a fan of that franchise, a big week one game opening up against the Chargers. That's going to be a hell of a game. Raiders, Chargers, week one at SoFi. Your Sunday night game has Tampa Bay at Dallas. I think the Bucks are going to get off to a really slow start. They lost their starting center. They got issues up front. They have no Gronk. You've got Godwin coming off an ACL. Evans is dealing with a hamstring. I think the Bucks are going to get off to a very slow start this year. And then your Monday night game is Denver at Seattle. All right, let's get to uh, Ryan right here on Listen Up. Hey, Ryan. What's going on, Grant? How you doing, man? Good, good, buddy. What's shaking? Nothing much. Um,
5: I I wanted to ask you because the Rogers comments did, I, I get you can use the media to kind of fire your guys up. But at the same time, you with being around the Kings for 32 years, how does that affect a young player? When you're basically being thrown under the bus to a degree, I mean, I think that's something that usually should stay in the locker room.
1: I think different players handle it differently, and I think if a young player in the National Football League can't handle that coming from a future Hall of Fame quarterback, they're probably not going to be very good anyway uh, in their career in the NFL. So uh, you you can't make a blanket statement about how a young receiver will handle it. It's based on their personality and how they deal with criticism. And I know this is not criticism from the media, or the coach It's coming from the starting quarterback. I think it's Aaron's way of letting these guys know, hey, you're not in college anymore. And this is the NFL. And this is how we do things here. And that's not acceptable. And so I think that's just his way of passing the message along. He's probably done it privately, but now he did it publicly. And Uh, I think it's also Aaron's way. And I know Aaron very well. I think it's his way of challenging these guys. I think he's doing it to challenge them to see what they're made of. So I think that's part of it too, knowing Aaron's personality.
5: What do you think about the change in Aaron's personality the last couple of years?
1: Aaron is a different cat. Okay. I'm just going to tell you that. I've known Aaron since he left Cal before he went to green Bay. So I'm not saying I'm best friends with him, but I will tell you his personality has changed quite a bit from his days at Cal to his ascent as a Green Bay Packers quarterback and star and now a future Hall of Famer. So he is a, he ha, he, he is a very complex person, extremely intelligent but very, very, very complex. And he generally thinks out everything that he's going to say. In other words, he generally doesn't say things that he hasn't really thought of. You know, he doesn't really talk off the cuff where he says something and goes, oh boy, I wish I didn't say that. He's very premeditated in how he delivers his messages. He was that way with the fiasco last summer. About whether he was going to report or whether he wasn't going to report, then when COVID, all of that, you know, he he's very calculated with how he speaks. And he very rarely says something that he doesn't truly believe and that he has not thought of. So, you know, his personality does change. But but here's where I'm at with this. He's paid to play quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And by and large, he has played quarterback as well as any quarterback in the National Football League during his generation. No now, you, can say he only, you can say he only has one Super Bowl. Okay, but there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that wish they had won a Super Bowl. He's also played in four other championship games. He's been the MVP multiple times. So, you know, it hasn't affected his play on the field. And I think that's really the most important part. You know, he has the issues with his family. I mean, those are very serious issues, by the way. I mean, think about that. I mean, he doesn't even have a relationship with his family. Think about that. So there were a lot of issues with Aaron. He's a very complex guy. I love him. I really do. I love the guy. Um, I really do. I, I have a lot of admiration for him. But with that said, he is a very complex person.
5: So, and you're right, you're you're spot on with all that. I've never met the guy, never talked to the guy. It's just what you see and what you hear from people like you and what you see on TV. Um, but what do you think his career would have been like? Do you think it would be a different Aaron Rodgers had he been drafted to the 49ers and not passed up by them? Because by all accounts, and maybe you can answer this, that's where he wanted to go.
1: Yeah, I think had he been drafted by San Francisco, he would have multiple Super Bowls, not just one. So, yes, I do. Um, I believe it would have been – this may sound crazy because he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame. Right. But I I think it probably would have been a better environment for him and as successful as he has been, I believe he would have been even more successful in San Francisco. I really believe that. But
5: what about the chip on the, on his shoulder? I feel like that's where that chip came and that change happened. Can you give any insights to that?
1: Well, the chip on the shoulder, he's got a horrible record against San Francisco. Okay. So that chip on his shoulder has not enabled him to beat San Francisco in the playoffs. Right. I mean, think about that. I mean, his record against the 49ers, both in the regular season and the playoffs, that's really been a nemesis for him. So I'm not really sure that I would go along with that chip on his shoulder. I think Aaron is so driven, and what I know of him and being around him, I think he would have been successful in any franchise in the National Football League. I really believe that. He is that good. He is that determined. He is that motivated. I don't think he would have failed regardless of where he went in the draft.
5: Grant, in my opinion, Aaron – is the best natural passer that we've seen in the league. Period. End of story. Don't bring up Tom Brady. Don't bring up anybody else. It, it, that's my opinion. But Aaron, the way he throws that ball, it is on a line. It is spot on, and he comes off as a perfectionist, which is something that I completely respect, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, I want to transition though to your one.
1: One other thing, I've never seen a guy. Throw the ball better on the run, regardless of if he's rolling to his right or his left, than Aaron Rodgers. I've never seen a quarterback throw the ball better on the run than Aaron. Uh, so what you said, I, I really agree with. I, I think he is.
5: Yeah, and I appreciate that. I mean, there there's guys that are more creative, Grant. You know, you see Mahomes doing the sidearm and the underhand stuff. But also, I think an element of Aaron's game that people don't um, really appreciate is his toughness. He's yep. played through so many injuries. I mean, he could barely walk sometimes, and he's still out there dropping back into the pocket and throwing the ball. So I I, I appreciate that about him. Um, it, it's just been funny to see the change with him in the last couple of years. Because, you know, he's always been his own cat, like you said, but there's been a significant change in the last couple of years. It's almost like, a effort. I'm just going to, say what I want to say and that's what it is. And you know, I actually respect that.
1: Yeah. You know what? And, and again, understand where I'm, uh, I'm coming from when I say this, when it, when I first met him, he had, uh, he dated, you know, basically, and I don't want to get in trouble, but well, I can't get in trouble, but he dated basically the girl next door. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. like a, All right. No one knew who they were. And uh, he always seemed to be very happy. He had one girlfriend for over a year coming out of Cal. And then I know Then he had another girl uh, that I had met and talked to seemed very nice, but very plain. When I mean very plain, I mean, now he's in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Like his last beginning with Danica Patrick and the actress uh, and which also. And again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I also believe that's a personality trait. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I mean, Absolutely. You, that, and so a lot of things have changed with him in his life. And I think that he's a very private person. And by that, I mean, he used to be at the high limit room and he used to be with all the fellows and he used to be just one of the guys. And he would probably get pissed at me for saying this, but he's not one of the guys anymore. He's very private. When he goes up to Tahoe, he doesn't stay in the casino. He rents a house. You don't see him out and about, okay? He's very, very private now. And so those are changes that I have seen in him as well. And I have not asked him about this. I don't know if it's because he's such a star now that he doesn't enjoy being pestered all the time. And so for that reason, maybe he just likes to go to his sanctuary where he knows he's not going to be bothered, where he doesn't have to deal with fans around the clock. But for the first several years of his career, he was always out with the fellas. In other words, he'd be hanging out at the High Limit Room in Harris. He'd be at the bars. He'd be, do you know what I mean? And now you never see Aaron Rodgers out. And so that part of his life is different as well.
5: Well, and I'm sure part of that is growing up as well. I mean, I can't imagine not having a support system around you. And when I say support system, I'm talking about your mother, your father, your brother, you know, and it seems like he keeps his circle very, very close.
1: Yes, he does. I
5: I don't think it's so much as I'm a celebrity now. I am one of the best quarterbacks in league history. I, I just feel like it's his personality and he's grown into that which is great I mean you don't when was the last time you heard something bad about Aaron Rodgers off the field because it'll be the first
1: time yeah the only thing uh he got killed last year for COVID and his remark of when he was asked about you know the shot and he says I'm not vaccinated or whatever he said I am vaccinated he was very And then he apologized for it. He said, you know what? I misled. I was wrong for that. But, you know, that's the one time I remember him being criticized off the field. I know that Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly and with the Chicago Bears ripped the hell out of him last year, uh, called him a jerk, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, But you're right. I mean, for the most part, that's not part of his life. That's very true.
5: If you are a star of his caliber and that's the worst thing you've done, and technically, if you want to – break it down and I'm not trying to defend him. He said vaccinated. He didn't say right. COVID vaccinated. Correct. So, I mean, we're all, most cool. of us are vaccinated at birth. With
1: that's why different... I'm saying, that's why I'm saying he is extremely calculated with what he says. He knew exactly what he said that day. He knew before he was asked the question, how he would respond to it. In other words, he doesn't really say things without thinking about it first. I mean, he's very calculated. He's very smart in how he answers questions.
5: Well, uh, he should do some seminars for some of the other players. That would be great. Yes, he should. Yes, he should. um, Hey, uh, quick transition, uh, last two topics. Uh, You were asking about Zach Wilson and surgeries and whether, you know, you've ever heard that they've been unsuccessful. The only one that I would bring up with that would be Alex Smith. There was a little bit of a, you know, pause there. They said it was successful, but then we found out what happened. But crossing over, speaking of things you've never seen, have you ever seen a major league baseball manager fall asleep in the dugout in the first inning?
1: <laughs> Not like Tony LaRusso. Is that who you're referring oh to? No, gosh. I know it's unbelievable. You know, the, what you said about Alex Smith, is interesting they knew before his first surgery how complex of an injury that he had what they could not forecast was that leg becoming infected as well right? right so that changes a lot of things and obviously it did with alex smith's recovery
5: right right absolutely i mean what did he go through i think it was like 10 surgeries
1: and yeah it was him in- here He was lucky he didn't lose his leg. They thought he was going to lose his leg.
5: Yeah. Grant, how does that work in pro sports? I mean, you talk about HIPAA, and I'm going to get into the legal stuff here, but releasing player health information, I know it is required by the league in terms of, you know, during the season, but where's that line? I mean, can they release anything, or do the players have to consent to certain disclosures?
1: I don't know the answer to that question. I don't believe that anything can be released, uh, but I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, there's obviously legalities involved, as you pointed out. I don't know what the exact answer would be to that. Obviously, there's an injury report, and it's required right. by the National Football League to, you know, put what the injury is. But I'm not really sure. Then at what point the detail that you have to go into, you know, then at what point is that crossing the line uh, legally. I don't know the answer to that.
5: Fair enough. And, um, it was weird to me, like with the COVID situation with teams saying, and I think it probably had more to do with the fact of the state laws where if you were not vaccinated, you can't play. So then what's the team going to do if Kyrie Irving's not in the building and not playing. So uh, that whole thing was very interesting. And it almost felt like it was trying to stir the pot to a degree. Um, with vaccination, so I, I don't know. I, it's a it's a question I've always wondered, and I wasn't sure if you experienced anything like that with the Kings, where somebody said, "No, not. you're not going to."
1: Well, I I have experienced where they have talked about the injury, but not the severity of the injury in terms of a timeline. Like I've they, they gotcha. I, the evasiveness is what I would say, and I would say. After Pete Youngman left the Sacramento Kings organization, when they brought in this individual who was one of the worst hires in the history of the Sacramento Kings, and she is no longer there, by the way, she has left. I believe she's working for the Pittsburgh Penguins now, but they handled the injury report and all of that as poorly as any team in the NBA. So, you know, again, every franchise handles it differently. Uh, there's a right way and a wrong way. And we always talk about this of doing things. And right. so, you know, I'll just leave it at that.
5: Fair enough. Actually, I saw that uh, job announcement about a week ago online for the uh, Kings head trainer.
1: Yeah, the head trainer left. Uh, he left at the end of the season. Uh, the, the individual Joe who uh, took over for Pete. Again, I, I'm, I'll tell you this until I take my last breath Pete Youngman leaving the Sacramento Kings was the worst departure that the Kings have ever had in my 32 years of being there. You could not have lost a more valuable employee than Pete Youngman. That was the worst. And by the way, they didn't fire Pete. Pete ended up resigning. They did offer Pete an opportunity to stay. So I got to be fair here. But the position that they put Pete in was one of an impossible position. After everything he had done, it was... The, uh, the criteria, the things that he would have had to have done was not acceptable to him. Even though they said, we don't want you to leave, don't leave. But the guidelines that they were forcing on him was not acceptable. And they hired an individual, okay, who had no business at all being in the position that she was hired for. It was an absolutely ridiculous horrible move by the owner of Vivek Ranadive, one of the worst decisions ever made in that franchise, not just in Vivek's tenure, ever, okay, E-V-E-R, ever, and it was Vivek once again trying to think that he had invented the wheel, thinking that he knew everything where he didn't know anything, and it screwed up the entire training staff from top to bottom. The Kings had One of the best, if not the best, head trainers and training staffs in the National Basketball Association. Every single player that came through the Sacramento Kings organization would tell you the same thing. They all love Pete. They love the staff. Pete was the most professional person you could ever be around. He handled all of the travel. He handled any issues that we had on the road with delays, cancellations, snowstorms. I mean, I can go on and on handled illnesses, handled everything, okay? And the day that that man walked out of the organization, the organization has never been the same. And think about it. Pete was there for decades, okay? Decades, yep. as loyal as you can be. First car in the parking lot in the morning, Pete's. Last car to leave, Pete's. Since Pete's left, they're now gonna be hiring a his, his second replacement, and the head of the entire department is gone as well. So it's just, again, I know I'm going up on a tangent here, but I'm pointing out that, you know, owners need to stay in their lane, okay? Owners need to stay in their lane. They own the team. They don't, it doesn't give them the right, in my opinion, to just do whatever the hell they want and screw up the franchise, okay? I know they own the team, and I know that under the guidelines of being an owner, they can do all of that, but... They really shouldn't. They really should stay in their lane. And Vivek jumped out of his lane. And look how screwed up everything is now. No doubt. And,
5: Grant, you know, if I look at any other professional sports franchise, uh, whether it's NFL, and I follow a couple of teams, obviously I'm a loyal Kings fan, but I could not name you another trainer from any team other than Pete Youngman. He was a mainstay. Like, you would see him stretching the guys out on the floor, and I think about the injuries. I mean, you can't prevent a sprained ankle, you can't prevent an ACL, you can't prevent some of those more major things, but the Kings didn't have a ton of those minor injuries that a lot of times when you have a not good training staff could help you prevent. And, uh, you know, you're right about the owners. You know, the one point I would disagree with you on is if an owner has basketball knowledge and they understand the game, they've been in the game, unlike Vivek, then you know what? Maybe if you're going to dabble a little bit more, which is a lot less than what Vivek has done, then okay. But I mean, just look at the Stockton Kings. Look at who the assistant to the GM is.
1: It's a joke. Yeah, I know. It is a joke. It's embarrassing. And, you know, people talk about, you know, whether Monty McNair's got, you know, full reins of the organization from a front no office way. perspective. Well, there you go. That's the example you would use. The answer to that is absolutely no.
5: I think he has gained a little bit more power than the previous GMs or the last two GMs, but he's still, I mean, you're working with one hand tied behind your back. So I actually have a ton of respect for Monty and what he's done. We've talked about the draft picks. He has hit on all of them so far. Well, I can say two, but it looks like he has hit on Keegan as well. That will be figured out. And what your sample size is, what, uh, 25 games, I think?
1: Uh, What, for a rookie? Yeah. No, my sample size is three years. I I think that I always give a rookie three years, but you can tell – in their first year, whether they are going to be good or not. You don't know how, how good. Conversely, if a rookie is really bad in their first year, like Thomas Robinson or Marvin Bagley, that's kind of an uh-oh. But in Bagley's you know defense, he was injured. But right. no, I give, I give a rookie three years. But my eyes have already told me that Keegan Murray is going to be a pretty good NBA player. I don't know if he's going to be great, but I know he's going to be pretty good.
5: I, I, I look at him. And I think, I mean, uh, it's crazy to say, and I think I've said this to you before, but I, I I think the ceiling, if not more, could be Jason Tatum. There is something about him that just reminds me of Tatum, whether it's the body build, the way he plays, the confidence, the shooting, being able to do a little bit of everything. He's going to be our starting four. Um, that, that's really the reason for optimism in Sacramento right now.
1: Well... Time will tell, as they say, right? Time will tell.
5: Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, Take it easy. I hope you have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Excellent dialogue, as always. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry.
4: Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. (gasps)
0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's
1: PTA meeting. Really?
0: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus.
2: Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All
1: right, let's move along. Let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here. And we say hello to Jeff. What's up, buddy? Hey,
6: Grant. Hey, Grant. Uh, hello. Hey, I'm here with my wife, Kelly. Good dog, canine rescue. Say hi, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> hello. She she always gives me a hard time for, for talking every day. But uh, Ryan took my thunder a little bit with, uh, you know, you guys were talking to, about Aaron Rodgers. And I've always, you know, the 49ers right in their backyard was Aaron Rodgers at Cal. And the other guy that was in their backyard was Tom Brady at Sarah High School.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, every team in the league could have had Tom Brady. So that's just the way it goes. I mean, that happens. You know, same thing with Joe Montana. You know, those things happen.
6: Right, right. So, Grant, I wanted to ask you uh, a question. Uh, So, what? Let me see here. What two, this is a kind of a trivia question. What two pitchers uh, in the major league history won multiple World Series championships, won multiple Cy Young awards through multiple no-hitters and were on multiple all-star selection and one of them's in the Hall of Fame?
1: Uh, off the top of my head, I would say Tom Seavers won. Um... I would say Randy Johnson is another, but you tell me.
6: Sandy Kofax and Tim Lincecum.
1: There you go. And what a shame. Tim Lincecum's wife lost her yeah. battle with cancer last week. What a what a shame.
6: Yeah, he didn't go to the reunion, and, you know, we know why. So that, you know. So anyways, I just thought I'd throw that out there to you. Uh, we're Anything
1: dead. else? What's that?
6: I said, did you ever see Sandy Koufax play?
1: Not in person. I I did not watch him in person. I mean, obviously, I watched him, but not in person.
6: Okay. All right. Well, you take it easy, Grant.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. If you want to get in on the program, hit your hand icon, raise your hand, and uh, we will put you right on. The NFL – Preseason action, still two days away to get it going again. And again, I keep on talking about this. You know, we talk about injuries. You look at all the injuries already in the National Football League with players that also have been lost just on the practice field. Not even in games, just on the practice field. And here's something else that I would like to have Teams, would you stop calling them soft tissue injuries? Like, do you realize that 99% of us, okay, we have no idea what the hell a soft tissue injury is? Okay, so stop it with that, okay? Tell us what the hell the injury is. If it's a hamstring injury, call it a hamstring ish, injury. You know, the 49ers are talking about it's a soft tissue issue, uh, injury to a cornerback. I, I don't. That, soft tissue injury doesn't mean a damn thing to me, okay? All right? I'm not a doctor. Tell me he's got a hamstring injury. Tell me that he pulled his hamstring, which is what he did. But now they're calling it a soft tissue injury. Does anyone listening know what the hell a soft tissue injury is? Unless you're a doctor. Seriously, a soft tissue injury. Like, what the hell does that mean? Okay. I know it's not good. I do know that. But tell me what part of the body we're dealing with. Again, hamstring injury. Now all of a sudden in San Francisco are soft tissue injuries. Really? Soft tissue. Come on. All right. Give me a freaking break here. We're not talking about Kleenex. Give me the body part. All right. Let me know what's wrong with the guy. Let me know what is wrong. All right. Hamstring. That tells me what's wrong. Okay. Speaking of what's wrong, not a surprise, but the Padres were getting ready to have Fernando Tatis bobblehead night. And guess what? There is not going to be a Fernando Tatis bobblehead night. Or maybe you could hand out the bobbleheads and you could have, you know, a picture of a steroid around the neck or, uh, you know, an initial, a PED, like a PED necklace around the bobblehead, right? That way, you know, have a bobblehead night. Fernando Tatis bobblehead night, put a little necklace on with the initials All right. P.E.D. That might work. Or you could change his number on the bobblehead to 80. Right. So you just change his jersey number on the bobblehead. Number 80 for an 80 game suspension. That might work. I'm all for that. All right. Let's get to
2: Al. Al, it's good to hear from you again. How are you? Damn, I'm missing out, man. I, I I really want a Fernando Tatis bobblehead, man. <laughs> I'm sure. In fact, you know what they ought to do is they ought to just change it to a knucklehead. Yeah. How about that, huh? Because that's, that's what this guy is. You know, he's let his team down. He's let the organization down and the fans down. You know, almost there's something, and you know this, you've seen it, they just can't seem to get out of their own way. You know, I mean, they, these guys go and sign uh, Soto to Big Money. The city's really excited. It's a huge move. And then all of a sudden this happens. And just like it's like, you know, cue the ne- yeah. needle scratch on the on the record player. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, we don't know if they're going to sign the Big Money yet. His contract's
1: not up, but uh, that's what the belief is. Oh. So, yes, absolutely.
2: Right. Yeah, I don't know what soft tissue is, but I know at 64, I probably got a lot of it all over my body. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's very true. Huh? <laughs> very, very I well wish It used to be hard, Nate, back in the day. I know you had some hard tissue when you were playing lacrosse, man, and dominating those young young whippersnappers, man. Yeah, well, well, Call me Mr. Are- Napier. I'll show yeah. you Mr. Napier those days are long gone so but I' um, it looking for uh, for your G men so far in camp man
1: I think they'll be lucky if they win more than six games I don't think they're gonna win more than six games they're terrible they still have offensive line problems uh, they still have a quarterback yeah. issue we don't know if Daniel Jones can play or not they just they're not very good thats right. there's really no other way to say it they're the worst team in that division I don't even think it's close
2: you're very, you've always been really pragmatic. You're not afraid to <laughs> say, take the hard line with your own team. Whereas other fans, you can't say that the same thing. I mean, you know, they we've talked about it. You know, I asked you day bowl and you know, they've got some good, uh, I think they got a great solid coach, a solid general manager. So it's gonna take a little time, but I'm glad they didn't, uh, uh pick up uh Jones's option personally. You know, I love it that like the Raiders passed on that Jacobs. You know, and then he's playing on the first game. Hey, let's let's. It's put up or shut up, man. It's a Jones man. He's. It's hard to say because he's got talent. I think you know when I watch him play, he definitely and he has time. You know, but like you've always said, you got to have a young quarterback. You got to have a support system. It's so hard to evaluate. I remember yep. when. Jared Goff was a rookie, and in his first year, he started the last seven games. The Rams lost all seven, and all of a sudden, he's a bust. He, he's, he's a terrible pick. And then I called you, and you go, Al, look, you got to settle down because, you know, he, 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 he needs we need time to don't go rushing into it. You know, you applied. I was kind of knee-jerking with the, all the media, and you said, you know, let's see, see what he can do if he can get some support some good players around them, And sh- and you and Charles Davis were the only two at, uh, broadcasters of any kind that I heard anything using that pragmatic approach to, to golf. So sure enough, McVay comes in the next year, turn things around. They got some you know good talent around them, you know. So, so they went you know, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's just a, it's a tough, tough thing with a quarterback to evaluate I was going to ask real quick if uh, my suggestion for maybe a future podcast, maybe on a weekly basis, I know you're not into the fantasy leagues, but I do a lot of fantasy. I play the daily games, you know, maybe have like on a, uh, uh somebody on a podcast. We're working on like it. On a, we're working on it. We're trying to Thursday we're, or Friday. We're trying, before we're the trying. Week. We're trying to get somebody
1: on. Okay. So we're, 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 yeah, trying. I know you should have yep. crit- we're trying.
2: Oh, good. Yep. I, I would love that because, uh, you know, uh, I heard a couple of callers calling in asking you questions about like Grant, uh, Ayuk and, uh, and a couple other players. And, and, uh, that would be awesome. And lastly, I just want to ask have you had a chance to touch base with Blood yet? If you think you might be able to. You know what?
1: I've reached down. out to him a couple. We, we had exchanged messages and he said he would love to come on my podcast. And then the last four or five messages, uh, he hasn't gotten back to me yet. So I don't know what the deal is, but he was very, uh, you know, so I'm still working on it and hopefully it will happen. All right.
2: All right, buddy. I and mean, he's
1: probably out in that duck somewhere in the swamp. Probably is. That's right. probably it. So, well, listen, it's good hearing from you. And you right, uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Yeah, it's good hearing from you. I got to go catch up on that prod, uh, that podcast with Ryan. It sounds like yep. awesome stuff. You have a good day. Thank
1: Thanks. you. Appreciate it very much. All right, let's move on. And uh, we are going to say hello now to John right here on Listen Up. Hey, John, how are you today?
3: I'm doing all right, Grant. I need to catch up on that podcast with Ryan. Also, I absolutely love that guy. I, me too. You know, I remember uh, him growing up here in Sacramento and always on your show. And I agree that he would absolutely freaking hate Demarcus Cousins, like almost all of his other teammates have. So there's no way in the world that would have he's ever too worked. Too much of no a stand up guy. Exactly. Yep. That's Go why Isaiah he would have gotten along with him as well as Isaiah Thomas and one of those guys. Would have been dead. It, you know, those guys <laughs> did not see to right. eye. Yeah, and right as for that. Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, the bobblehead, they got to make it like a Hulk doll and they got to put ringworm all over it. <laughs>
1: it. Yeah, it. I hear you. It. I didn't I know. Know what to
3: say about that. And now his dad's typing up.
1: I know. And, I know. You
3: know it's, it's what it is. Hey, what I wanted to ask you though, Grant, did you uh, see any of those? The golf this weekend on Sunday, the playoff hole.
1: Oh, it was so. great, it was incredible.
3: That eighteenth
1: hole man what a what a brutal hole that was uh, but that was a that was really fun golf to watch
3: It was unbelievable, Grant, I had an event and I got home and I saw the last handful of strokes on the 18th, so I saw him go in to the three playoff holes and my God, both of them getting so yeah. close to putting it in the drink. And Zalatoris, you know, that thing down to six times, and it's settling right there. Unbelievable. I have never seen a finish like that. And then they go back to 13, which is another water hazard hole, you know, somewhat. It, what an incredible match. And, hey, man, you know, I've been a uh, Will Zalatoris guy. You know, I like some of the young guys. Love that he got his first win, man. It, it was so cool that, to see, man. Well, his
1: caddy loved it, too, because it was his first week on the bag. Because Zalatoris had fired his caddy the weekend before, and his caddy made two hundred and forty grand on his first week on the job, so his caddy was pretty happy too.
3: No way! I had no idea. Oh my God! What a turn of events! Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, oh, he had yeah. New caddy on the bag this week, and gets ten percent of uh, his earnings from the tournament. So he made two hundred and forty grand this past weekend
3: wow what a freaking good financial decision to change change jobs for him holy crap yeah. that i did yeah. not know that yep. man yeah that was incredible. absolutely hey, all right man i gotta get going grant great to talk to you buddy and we'll talk later on
1: sounds great appreciate you and appreciate all the uh, phone calls uh tomorrow at one o'clock eastern 10 a.m pacific i will be doing my show Unfiltered with uh, Sean Salisbury. So Sean and I will be on tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific. No Filter Network, nofilter.net, and we'll be back here tomorrow. Open Forum Wednesday, tomorrow at uh, three o'clock as well. That podcast with Ryan Anderson is available for you on your favorite podcast platform, or you can go to my website if you don't like that.com. Speaking of NFL, speaking of fantasy, speaking of uh, you know making a little wager or two. Not going to be fantasy talk this week, but on Friday's podcast, I've got a gentleman from a Las Vegas sports book. We're going to go over NFL odds, overs and unders, and things of that nature. That will be on my podcast coming up for you on Friday. All right, make it a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening right here to Grant Napier on Listen App. So long, everybody.
0: 18 plus.